It's episode nine of the Toadstool Boardroom. My name is Logan Plant, and I'm joined today by Odell Harmon Jr. Hi, Odell. Hey, hey, everybody. How y'all doing? You're back after missing our big Xenoblade extravaganza last week. I know, I know, but y'all brought in the experts, so, you know, my 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 very spicy mini hot takes, you know, they, 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 they I, I saved them for another day. Let's <laughs> talk about the game. Fair enough. Yeah, we were uh, very glad to have Travis North up from IGN join us to talk about his review. Uh, thanks if you tuned into that episode. And if you're back here for your second week after tuning into that one for the first time, we're the Toadstool Boardroom Weekly Nintendo Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at ToadstoolBR. You can send us an email, ToadstoolBoardroom at gmail.com. Subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you like to listen or watch your podcast. So we are kind of doing a split show here today. Here in part one, we are talking about the Pokemon Presents that just happened like a half hour ago here. Uh, we're recording bright and early over on my side of the country, 6.30 a.m. right now. We're sitting down to record. And then after we talk Pokemon, Chris Shriver will join us for part two, where we'll talk about the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass Wave 2. Steve and Alex Amiibo, we're waiting for a Splatoon 3 Direct and a lot more, so stick around for that as well. But let's get into it. Pokemon Presents was today. They kicked off the show with a lot of mobile game stuff. We saw uh, Pokemon Masters, Pokemon Cafe mix, but the real meat of the presentation that we're going to talk about was Pokemon Scarlet and Violet got a new trailer at the end of the presentation. We finally got a name of the region, the Paldea region. I know that Odell was waiting for that. We saw a lot of riding around on the Pokemon like motorcycles. I think a lot of people assumed that's what they were going to be for, and I believe those details leaked as well. That's Karidon and Maridon that you can ride around the region on. They showed off multiplayer and revealed that Union Circles is how you kick off co-op play and can play up to three fr- with up to three friends. There's also the Terastalize ability, which gives each Pokemon a shiny crystal form that also might change their type. We, we saw a, fly, a Pikachu that can fly. Uh, flying type and knows the move fly. There's also Terra raids, similar to Sword and Shield raids returning, where you can catch Pokemon with rare Terra types and do these battles with up to three people. Odell, you're the biggest Pokemon super fan here in the boardroom. What did you think of this trailer? You know, uh, that was definitely more good than bad. Uh, my, my biggest jarring issue is, it's like, I understand, okay, we're now in a real open world game. Open world games need mounts, you know, essentially, unless mm-hmm. you know you're a superpower character and you fly or something. And I would have preferred a terraforming bike like we had in Sword and Shield than a terraforming bike that turned into a terraforming Pokemon bike, transforming, not excuse me, terraforming, mm-hmm. transforming Pokemon and, and yeah. the fact that it's the legendary is just is more jarring to me. It's like we have domestic. We, this is what we have reduced them to. Like, I mean, they've always been, you know, a story beat, something to capture. But like, just like, hey, here's the legendary Pokemon of this region. It's a bike, a literal yeah. Pokemon bike. Have fun with that. That's a little. It's interesting that me. you get them at the start of the game, pretty much, like not immediately, but pretty early. You're going to get this Pokemon to ride around on. Generally, you don't get the legendary in, until near the very end of the game, like, like three, in a big smart. story moment right before the Elite Four and the champion. But yeah, I'm going to assume you're, you aren't going to be able to fight with your Pokemon until end game. I'm going to assume that it'll just be a mount until you reach that point. Uh, yeah, it is a little interesting. It's funny that the one from Scarlet, Coridon, just runs and then Maridon actually uses its wheels. <laughs> I thought that those looked really funny side by side. Um 
and they can also glide like a Breath of the Wild glider system. Uh, you can leap off a cliff and then glide with your legendary Pokemon. Uh, don't know if you could just fly around or if it is like a glide thing where you're constantly moving down. Couldn't really tell that from the brief clip that we saw. But yeah, mounts are important in open world games. I guess I think it's kind of unique that it's with the legendary. You know, the the closest thing we've kind of had to this is you did have the Pokemon in Legends Arceus you could ride around on. But in other games, the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire had the Latios and Latias that you could soar with around a very strange version of the overworld map. So this is a little bit like an evolution of that as well. I don't know. I guess I kind of, I think it's unique that it's the legendaries. I do think that the wheel design is a little strange when you look at the Pokemon that they're riding around on. Um, also, if you pair up with multiplayer, you can have like four of the same legendary just buzzing around and <laughs> that kind of defeats a little bit of the lore behind it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I think it's unique. Yeah, I mean, based off the trailer, uh, we're going to get into terrestrializing the new gimmick, sadly. But it seems like, to me, this bike form is appearing like this is the Pokemon, like, with its potential locked away. And, you know, when you terrestrialize it, they, you know, stand up and look more like the box art and more, you know, quote unquote, legendary and not like a child's mm-hmm. play thing. So I'm like, maybe I'm guessing, like, at some point, you know, oh, no, they 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 were imprisoned in this form eons ago and now they're unlocked you know now they're back to being you know some unstoppable creature in the land that you know whatever i don't know we we will see we we will see i want to move away from the legendary thing because it's jarring but maybe it'll make sense and i want to go to the new gimmick since we've already mentioned it instantly not a fan i i like how like the little crystal I don't know if this is Spanish inspired in any way, but like how they look like a crystal dresser. Like, do you remember like in the early 90s, like old people had like these fancy lamps that they were so proud of or just back in the day? Oh, like that's what they remind me of. They remind me of these fancy lamps my grandma used to have that okay. I was never allowed to touch. And, and I'm just <laughs> like, right. that, that's odd to me. But I will say this. I remember when I saw uh, Dynamax and Gigantamax in that first, I was not a fan Mm-hmm. But from a battle standpoint, it made sense and was definitely a lot more balanced than Mega Evolution was. Mega Evolution kind of destroyed battling, but like Gigantamax, that was like okay, that was more dupe. So from a battle standpoint, maybe it will make sense. But from a visually appeasing standpoint, it looks utterly ridiculous. Like yeah, maybe it will grow on me. Maybe it's one of those things that like if I, once I sit with it, I'll feel differently. But my initial uh, thoughts is like this is one of those things. It's gonna look cool for some Pokemon, and then ridiculous for the vast majority. Yeah, I guess I thought it looked okay. Uh, really, the visuals aren't what I have the issue with. I have the issue with that. What now for? half of the generations of Pokemon practically, they have felt this need to shoehorn in some sort of new battle mechanic that essentially always functions in the same way, dating back to what Gen 6, X and Y introduced the Mega Evolutions, which took a really long time to watch the cutscene, and then you basically won the battle in one move, right? That's what a Mega Evolution was. And then you got Z-moves in Sun and Moon, and then you got the Gigantamax in Sword and Shield. And now here we are with this Terastalize in Scarlet and Violet. And it just doesn't... It Honestly, the way that the mainline campaign of Pokemon games are balanced, it feels like an instant win button. It really does. You use a Z-move, you use a Mega Evolution, you pretty much win the battle in one hit. And I, I feel like this isn't going to be any different. Um, I do think the design is more 
creative than Sword and Shields. Oh, just make it bigger, <laughs> which is what Gigantamax was. I know they were, I know they had some of the special forms for a few Pokemon, but largely it was just make it bigger. So I do think this looks a little bit more unique, but I was just just to see them still falling back on this crutch of we need to have we need to have some sort of mechanic like this. I'm just not a super big fan of. Yeah, I, I'm not either because you know it's and especially because you know you you instantly have to throw away the old mechanic because you can't have these mechanics playing nice with each other. We saw that with Z moves and Mega Evolutions being in the same game, and it was just nonsensical. It was just like, you know, from from a just I'm playing the game casually throughout the game. Yeah, it's like almost like an instant win button, and then when you're playing with people. It, it, it becomes like this. They become nuclear deterrents and not a fun way. It's just like, oh, man, do I want a mega evolution now? Because if I do it wrong and then they do it and now I got to worry about a Z move. It's just like yeah. there, there are so many layers of and it's not like I said, it's not in like in a creative, like super, super tactical. way. It's just like it's like, can I hold out longer than you? Mm-hmm. And, and then, like I said, uh, 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 I was say Gigantamaxing. Since every Pokemon can do it, it became a much more balanced thing. So I'm glad that they kept that. Well, if we're going to do it, it has to apply to all, all Pokemon, and we can't shoehorn it into some because then it becomes even worse. And uh, I, I'm hoping that you know it becomes a complement mechanic and not like a I have to base my whole team design around it. But we'll see. But I, I well, going forward, I hope they do what they do what they did with raid battles. Where they're like, this is something that's fun, can be integrated, can even change up a little bit, still a core thing. Because I saw raid battles and I and I thoroughly enjoyed raid battles. So I'm glad they're here. I'm glad they have a unique spin. And going okay. forward, I hope they introduce mechanics like that, like mechanics that can be taken forward and evolved, and not have to be. They're they're so different and, and jarring in some aspects that they have to be locked into this region because there's no way we can involve them further. So again, baby steps. I don't think Pokemon, you know, battle system needs to overhaul. No people are like, oh, I want to do this. No, I feel like, you know, Mario doesn't need to be like, you know, a werewolf transformation shots at Sonic. <laughs> you know, we uh-huh. we don't need big things like that, but we can change the world in ways that we can evolve on and but uh, we we don't know. We just got names. But I, I do want to say I'm glad we got the region name Paul Dea. But if you didn't know, there's a famous Spanish food called paella, which is a seafood dish, and I'm pretty sure that's heavily inspired the name. So let's talk about the story for just a second because they did spend a little more time on some of these gameplay mechanics, really, than the open world that I wanted to hear about. Uh, we did learn that there are. Three different stories to complete is what they said. And they said that the first story is going to revolve around the gyms and the Elite Four and the championship. And we're back to having eight gyms, and you, but this time you can tackle them in any order. They did say that there is no limit uh, to which one you can go to first, which one you can go to second, and so on. And then they did not really say what the other two stories are about. But if I'm a betting man, one's about the legendaries, because it always is, and then one's about whatever bad team there is right it's it's got to be that you, you know i was thinking about that uh, and i feel like they can go so many ways with it because okay let's say whoever our team rocket guys are i mean they could just generically be in the world and i assume their story is tied to the legendary because the bad guy stories is you know nine times out of ten always tied to the legendary mm-hmm. so i assume those two stories will be you know a one for one what i what i'm thinking is this third story is we're gonna either a 
we're bringing back Pokemon contests in some way, and there's a Pokemon contest story because people wanted that. That's me mm-hmm. shooting for the moon. It probably won't happen. But what I, I'm 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 going for this is going to be a new Pokemon thing. This new story is going to involve like a because trainers always wanted a way to enter a non a non battle focused way to interact with your Pokemon. And I'm mm-hmm. and if Pokemon Company is smart, like I think they are. I think that their story's gonna revolve around that. Here's a way to interact with Pokemon that isn't battling, where it's you know taking pictures. Maybe this treasure hunt thing is a literal treasure hunt. Maybe it's Pokemon yep. contest. Maybe it's like go camping with your Pokemon, bond with them. It will be some type of bonding experience for you and your Pokemon that does not revolve around battling. Is my guess. Treasure Hunt would be cool. They did kind of make a big deal about that, right? Your character starts out at a special academy at the beginning of the game. The name of the academy is different, whether you're playing Scarlet or Violet. There are professors at the academy. There's a homeroom teacher. There's different students you interact with. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like maybe like a three houses type deal, Persona 5 type deal, or maybe there is a whole story that takes place at the school. Maybe that weaves into the treasure hunt that they kept talking about. I do think it would be smart. Like you were saying, if they had a a bigger pillar of this game that wasn't about battle, because you look at every mainline Pokemon game, they're all, when you get down to it, pretty much just about battling. Yeah, you have some of the other stuff. You have secret bases, you have the underground, you have um, some of the cool Pokemon beauty contests or whatever that you can do to interact with your Pokemon on that way. But really, it's always just about the core battling. So it would be cool if, as they're growing Pokemon into this open world, if they do take it, and maybe take it in a different direction like that. I don't know if we'll see that yet. Uh, I don't know if they got a lot of other stuff going on in this game. I'm not sure if they're quite ready to implement something like that yet. We do see baby steps generally with the Pokemon company, but it's something I'd like to see maybe in this game or if not in the future. Yeah, I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, they they took time to focus like, hey, you have the main go get your gym badges, become the champion. Yeah. And there's two other stories. And I, I'm hoping that whatever they are, regardless, whether, you know, it's, you know, clearly the legendary thing or, you know, contest, camping, the little treasure hunts, you know, school life, that it takes, you know, I want to say just as long, but a good media amount of time as, you know, your standard gym. It was, it's not like, okay, the, the a gym bash thing is like, you know, the four hour adventure and these are like 30 minute adventures that you can just knock out at some point. You know, I want mm-hmm. it to be. Like, you have to spend substantial time doing these other two adventures. You know, maybe not as long as the quote-unquote core story, but significant amount of time. Not something that you're just like, oh, crap, yeah, I got to do that to technically beat the game. Let me go, you know, have a cutscene or two yeah. and call it a day. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how these three stories pan out. If it is, like, three different quest paths that don't revolve around each other, right? Because in the other Pokemon games, it was always like, by the after you get like the fourth gym badge, there's always like a huge segment with the team or whatever. And it's like, oh, we got to go infiltrate this team rocket base now. And they were always kind of dependent on each other because in every other Pokemon game, the story is linear. So if it is like, nope, you can just do the eight badges, then do this or do three badges, take a break. And then the big question is going to be level scaling, right? Is it, yeah. How are the levels going to work? Uh, is it just going to scale? So if you go to the ice gym first, it's the easiest. If you go to it last, it's the hardest. Or is it just going to be like, 
well, if you want to grind and go to this gym first, you can. Like, I think that'll be something interesting to see how they kind of approach also. If I had to guess, it's going to be the non-fun way where it's going to be gated. Like, hey, this guy's clearly the last gym leader in this Pokemon level 70. I mean, we're not going <laughs> to stop you from going there first, but clearly, yeah. you know, you should probably go to this guy towards the end of your yeah. journey rather than the beginning. But it, it would be cool because, fun fact in the anime, it was actually revealed that gym leaders do do that. They base how hard of a challenge they give you about how many badges you already have. Granted, I'm not okay. sure all gym leaders do this, but they'll be like, okay, this kid has one badge. Okay, I'm not going to pull out like, you know, my, my rock star. We'll have like a, you know, a 2v2 and these will be like some Pokemon I caught last week. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That kind of, that explains things more. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually address, address this. Uh, so I, I, w- I would love it if it was just like, you know, Okay, if you, if you do this Pokemon, this this gym leader first, they'll use like baby versions of their type or whatever you know their their thing is. And I would love it even more if it's cool, like you know, if you're trying to fill out your Pokédex, like if you strategically wait to see some gym leaders later, you'll see rare Pokemon, you know, for your Pokédex. That if you didn't do that, you would have to go find them in the wild and look for your own. It'll be like harder, quote unquote, to come across them. So and that that'd be cool to see, like that would lend a little bit of credit to subsequent playthroughs, right? If you challenge the gym leaders in one order and then you play the game again afterwards and you challenge them in a different order and you see how their parties change and evolve, that could be kind of cool. Yeah. The the ball is in your court, Pokemon Company. Yes, it is. is, This this game has the potential to fundamentally rewrite Pokemon as we know it while also staying true, which, you know, is probably like one of the hardest things to do in game development. It is. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. There's still a lot I feel like we don't know, even after this Pokemon Presents presentation. Uh, But that's going to do it for our discussion here on the new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get Chris Shriver here in the boardroom, and we'll be right back, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part two this week on the Toadstool Boardroom. Logan Plant here with Odell Harmon Jr. still here. Hey, hey, everybody. And Chris Shriver joining us for part two. I have magically appeared. (laughs) You were too busy playing xenoblade yeah right? yeah that's exactly what i was doing <laughs> you nailed it travis didn't convince you last week to pick it up i can't say he has uh i also still have not opened my copy of live Alive from what? last week <laughs> still, sealed? still sealed in the packaging i think okay. i think i'm gonna fully beat the game foreseeing any jrpg nonsense of like oh you, you beat all the stories we're here's 12 more stories. Unless that happens, I think I'm probably going to beat it tonight. Wow. Nice. Good job. It is a fantastic game. Uh, we might get into that a little bit later, but right now let's start off with some news. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass Wave 2 has been revealed. Yes, we're excited. It's coming this week, August 4th. So the day this episode goes up, we'll be playing these new Mario Kart tracks. Two new cups. Uh, there's going to be six wave. Each one's going to come with two cups. This is wave two of that. We got the Turnip Cup and the Propeller Cup. And the courses are as follows. In the Turnip Cup, New York Minute from Mario Kart Tour, Mario Circuit 3 from Super Mario Kart on the SNES, Calamari Desert from Mario Kart 64, Waluigi Pinball is a big one for a lot of people from Mario Kart DS. Chris pumping his fist. Uh, in the Propeller Cup, Sydney Sprint from Tour, Snowland from Super Circuit on the GBA, Mushroom Gorge from Mario Kart Wii, and Sky High Sunday, uh, which they label as a new track, but then there's two asterisks. And it says on the official site, Sky High Sunday will be released in the Mario Kart Tour mobile game at a later date. 
So this is not going to match the quality of your favorite original Mario Kart 8 tracks. It's like Ninja Hideaway, which is a great track, but it is a tour track. I I think they should have labeled it tour. I think it's weird that Ninja Hideaway is also not labeled tour either, but that's beside the point. These are coming this week. How do we feel about the track selection, guys? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I think I think it's an excellent set uh in both cups. I do like I have come to terms with the fact that none of these levels are going to be as good as the ones that are in the base game and the base game's DLC and I think that like I've it's not fine but I've accepted it. Um I understand why it's this way uh because they're doing all of the uh a lot of them are are tour ports at this point. Um as far as the tour selections go though, New York Minute, City Sprint, like those are very good levels uh from that game. Uh Mario Kart Circuit 3, sure whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you know how many times can we play that level calamari desert and waluigi pinball uh and mushroom gorge are probably the big three for me in like this whole set definitely you're you know, a fan I, of calamari desert that's the one with the, the train uh, that style that goes through the track sometimes you'll actually have to come to a stop and wait for the train but in mario kart 7 on 3ds they added the uh the hang gliding ramps that you could use to get around the train if you had a mushroom uh yeah I've never been a super big fan of that one, but I think I'm just nostalgic for it. Like I, you know, I just have a lot of memories playing Mario Kart 64. Um, It's, it is a flat level, right? Like it, it's one that makes sense for tour. Um, I can see why they would put it in here. Uh, That, and I think like, it's just a very iconic level for Mario Kart 64. Like people just remember that one. Absolutely. For me, the big one is Waluigi Pinball. That is an outstanding course on Mario Kart DS and on Mario Kart 7. Great soundtrack, although they are just using the song that's in Wario Stadium, but it's the same song. I saw some people uh, upset that the remix isn't the exact same as the Waluigi Pinball remix they want, but that's just the reality of these kind of cheaper done courses. And the one that really I really struggle with is Mario Circuit 3. That's going to be one you only play up when it comes randomly or at the beginning when it feels new. And then in like two months time, you will never touch it again. Probably Uh, the GBA one. I'm not a fan of Super Circuit, but I really like what they did with the Sky Garden for Mario Kart Tour. And then the 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass Wave 1. I like how they really changed the elevation of it. It's not flat like the GBA game is. So uh, this one kind of similar. It looked like half of the track is kind of on a cliff overlooking the other half of the track for this snow one. So that could be good. And, and you said it, Chris, these, you can't expect the greatest tracks in the world in this. This is really kind of a, a Band-Aid on Mario Kart fans who were tired of waiting for the next one until the next system, Mario Kart 9, whenever it comes out. And for me, the price alone, like 96 or 48 tracks for 25 bucks, that is that is such a great deal. And it's, it's OK if they're not really up to snuff with the other tracks. Uh, but Odell, what's your favorite track from from the selection? Oh, easily Waluigi Pinball. It is, I consider it one of the greatest Mario Kart tracks ever made. And it's funny because I hate Waluigi as a character. Design, concept, everything. I don't know why people (laughs) are root for him. But I've always said, man, this man made a great Mario Kart track. It's creative. He made it himself. Yeah. That's exactly that. I just assume. And, you know, I kind of disagree with y'all. I feel like the quality of these tracks not only could be better, but should be better because I I was slightly taken aback once I saw what it was. One, I'm not a fan of the tour integration courses. Like, now that it's the writings on the wall that the majority of the tracks you're going to get are going to be tour courses because it's like, mm-hmm. 
you really can't do a lot with them. And I mean, I guess they're cute. And I guess that game sold, downloaded millions of copies. So they want to, you know, please that crowd. I, I feel it's the same Pokemon Go thing. It's like, well, we got to respect the Pokemon Go players. I'm like, do you? Do you? Let, let them. They want to be in the mobile space. Let them be in the mobile space. They. I don't know if, what's the, the, the Passover rate to come in the console. I don't think it's that high, but I don't got the numbers. I think Chris but, and I both disagree. I don't even think yeah. it's that. I think it's just like yeah. the, the assets already exist and they're like, this is way less work for us to, you know, we can port this stuff over that already exists rather than, yeah. you know, make it again Mario Kart 8 specific version of this level. Yeah. And I kind of wish they did. So, well, all the GBA levels I feel like are Mario Kart 8 because like they're night and day, you know, clearly look at the GBA one. But the Mario Circuit is the perfect example for this point I want to make. If you look at Mario Circuit, whatever number, you know how Mario Kart 8, they remixed the old tracks where they almost felt new. And I love Mario Circuit because it's such a basic track. But you see the A-verse, you see the elevation happening. You see the, the, the stage literally, you know, terraforming into something new and fun. And it's still basically that same basic track. But, you know, the big curve over the hill. The, it, mm -hmm. It's just enough to make it feel fun. And I kind of wish they did that with these tracks. Just... You know, don't got to reinvent the wheel. Just do just enough. And we're not going to get that. But like Logan said, you know, at the at the price point, the amount of courses, it's, it's almost really hard to complain. It's a Band-Aid, yes, but it's a very nice waterproof Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting you're – getting, the value is about 50 cents a track, and the tracks are worth about 50 cents to me. Like in Mario Kart 8, those tracks were each worth like a couple bucks to me. Those are amazing tracks, but it's like – I want to ask you guys this. When, when the first wave came out, I was pulled back into Mario Kart for like a couple weeks. Like I was playing every night. I was even going back to the old courses just because it was so much fun to have new content in there. And it also even refreshed the old content a little bit just because it had been so long since I'd played it regularly. So it's not like the problem we talked about with Strikers last week where you get this stuff and you guys don't even open it. You just you see it has an update and don't even play it. And I play it for 10 minutes and then turn it off like, yeah, this DLC is not the best that Mario Kart has to offer. Not even close. But it is enough to pull me back into the game just because the, the gameplay of Mario Kart 8 is that good. I mean, you're right. You're 100% right. I mean, the, like you said, the base game Off is the even Mario Kart gameplay. Yeah, it's, it's just great because I look at it like this. You know, these tracks could probably honestly suck and I'll still just show up just for the newness of it. And then, like, you're already playing, and then, you know, because I remember I was playing when the new tracks came out, and uh, I did a stream with somebody, and I remember the whole time we got to do, like, you know, pick a track after we tried out the new ones, mm -hmm. and the whole time I was like, I want to play Piranha Plant Slide. I want to play Piranha Plant Slide. That level slaps. And then I got the pick. Yeah, I played it, and I was like, oh, my God. It was like, I literally forgot how good this was. And then I was just like, and then I remembered all the other tracks that I also, Shy Guy Falls. I literally forgot how amazing that level is because Mario Kart's a game to where you're racing, but you never notice. But if you ever watch someone play and look at all the details and how good those tracks truly are, it blows your mind. You're like, Nintendo really went all out on these details. Like, there's whole like simulated lives going on in the background, <laughs> if you pay attention. And they actually react to crashes and things. And I'm just like, this is so such a crazy amount of detail that the average player would not notice while playing the game. I think that is missing what you just touched on, Odell. Like that part is missing a bit in some of the DLC tricks. Not not all of them. Um, like I think Ninja Hideaway is one, still one of the best levels in Mario Kart Eight. Um, when that last uh, track 
like the, the last set of tracks came out. Um, I mean, that was the one that I made an, an image for IGN. It was like, what is the best Mario Kart eight track? And it was just like three screenshots. Of Ninja Hideaway. <laughs> it's like, it's this shut your mouth. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I have, uh, I'm pretty fortunate in that, uh, the majority of, there's a huge majority of us at my job that, uh, play Mario Kart eight and pre pandemic would play, uh, just about every day during lunch. Um, we'd grab a conference room and just start screaming at each other. Um, so usually <laughs> like every Friday, especially when new tracks drop, like we all just dedicate the, that lunch and like the night to just like playing the game over and over again. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to this obviously because of that, but, um, it is a shame that, you know, I think one of the best parts of Mario Kart being the zero G, uh, is not really as heavily utilized in any of the tracks that we've seen in the DLC so far. There's it like is back in sky high Sunday. It is very it light. Is. It is like, mm-hmm. look, I went up a little bit. I wall run. I, I wall ran. <laughs> you know, it's like uh-huh. that. Um, but you know, uh, it seems like there's going in the right direction. I just, I, I don't want them to, uh, I don't want all these tracks to feel like Mario Kart Super Circuit. Like I enjoy that game because it's like a retro title at this point, but mm-hmm. every track of that game is just a flat plane. Uh, that's kind of how some of the levels in the first batch felt for me. Uh, so we'll see how the, this one goes. But um, as far as the selection is concerned, like I'm super stoked to try everything out. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of the same, almost the same formula as the first wave. I think we're kind of getting an idea of what to expect from the eight. You're going to have like three tour tracks, which I think is great, right? Odell, you said it's to satisfy the tour fans. I think it's because tour sucks and Nintendo knows it. And they're like, let's preserve these tracks elsewhere. Let's throw them in Mario Kart 8 where you don't have to pay $40 for Diddy Kong. Like, yeah, I, I, think I choose to believe that is the truth because I remember when we all found out that we were racing against bots pretending to be real people in tour because everybody was getting <laughs> first place. Like the, that, that game just took a nosedive from me. I was like, it's a phony. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I can't do this. Over. Yeah. So, so you're getting like three tracks from that game. And then you're getting like the big one, right? The one everyone wants. Coconut Mall Wave 1. Waluigi Pinball Wave 2. And then kind of the other four are a combination of old tracks from like SNES 64. And then maybe a couple newer ones. Like Mushroom Gorge. So I kind of like it. They're not throwing all the stuff we want in within the same wave. It's like. There's going to be eight different highlights across these different waves. I think that's really cool. So you know, before we move on from Mario Kart, one track you guys need to see in the last few waves. You can pick ooh, one. Ooh. I was literally in the middle of Googling it because I need I need the name of it. Um, I can go first if you guys need to say Go anything. for it. Go, go for it. Maple Treeway, Mario Kart Wii. That track is gorgeous. You're driving on these like through these winding trees and it's fall and the leaves are falling and there's a segment where there are wigglers running around. There's some really fast sections, some good hang glider sessions. Love that track from Mario Kart seven. Uh, I think, I think it'd be great. I thought, uh, I thought that this was the name of it and I'm glad I clarify or I verified it. Uh, DK summit in Mario Kart. Wii nice. has Ooh, like, you know, one. you have the half pipes in it. Um, you can do tricks off of them. Um, it's just like a downhill bonanza, similar to like uh, Wario's uh, Wario Summit. Um, I think that level's just awesome. There's a lot of really great levels in Mario Kart Wii that I think a lot of people forget about. And then, like I, if you have, if you still have access to play Mario Kart Wii and you're like looking for something to scratch that itch, I highly implore you to dip back into that game 
Oh, you're right. Maple Treeway is from Mario Kart Wii. I just I said it's from Seven. There's the remake in Seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Wii. didn't even That's catch right. that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. We Mario Kart Wii has a great roster. Of Absolutely. Tracks. Yeah. How about you, Odell? Okay, so uh, I was gonna say DK Jungle, but since Chris already said DK Mountain, I'm I'm a you know move away from that. DK Mountain. I'd love to see DK Mountain too. Yeah. DK has all the best tracks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so everyone loves Toad's Turnpike, right? Like it's like a, a, one of those courses. They they okay. They I don't. You, I don't either. I think it's boring and bland, but it keeps it makes it in like every game. Like I think it's because like, it's it's a chaos creator. Like yeah, yeah. It's just one of those levels where if you're bad at Mario Kart, like it's so easy to just <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> even in eight, like like I'll be like, ooh, look at me. Like you said, I'm wall running. And now I'm not, and now I'm doing it again, and now I'm not. And this level is still the same. And in Mario Kart, you can fly, and you can't take the shortcut of landing on a bridge. It's just like, nope, nope, you just, you can't do that, even though that'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. But there came a game. I don't really like Double Dash. I know people love it, but I'm like, eh, I'm the two person cart, not my. <clears throat> but they introduced Mushroom City, which is Toad's Turnpike. Should have been from day one, and we've never seen it again. Mushroom City is dope. It's like the chaos creator of Toast Turnpike, but would actually be in a good track. That is, a, that is a great level. Is, so is Mushroom Bridge, which we've seen remade a couple times. Yep. I love that track from Double Dash. Uh, Double Dash doesn't have a bad course. It has 16 tracks, and they're all great. Yeah. You and Daisy, man, you just love that girl. Do I? Yeah, you you were like, Daisy's gonna be in Strikers. You were like all hype about that. (laughs) Yeah. Now you're talking about her cruise line. I don't know. I do like Daisy's the best princess. What can I say? I I love Daisy's cruisers because it's just a long oval, but it's got personality. It does. Mm It's a good one. Daisy actually has some sneaky good Mario Kart tracks. Daisy Circuit on the Wii. With like the statue of her and Luigi dancing is super cute. Oh, that is a good level. Yeah. Yeah. And the Daisy Hills in the mushroom cup of Mario Kart 7 is simple, but it's got cows, it's got the windmills. Yeah. It's a nice little track. There's some good ones. Yeah. So that's uh, Mario Kart 8. New tracks this weekend. We'll talk about what it's like to actually play them on next week's show. Let's move on though. I love Amiibo, and we got a release date for the next Amiibo that are coming out. Steve and Alex from Minecraft from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate are coming on September 9th. That is the same day as Splatoon 3. It just feels like the wait between these Smash Amiibo are getting longer and longer. What Min Min came out on April, uh, in April with Switch Sports, uh, whatever day that was, and now it's going to be five months until the next one. We're still waiting on Pyra, Mithra, Sephiroth, Kazuya, and hopefully Sora, which they never officially announced still. (laughs) <laughs> Which would drive me bonkers if it never happened. Oh my god! But to that. me, Chris, oh, Sora, I'm Amiibo fan. It seems like Amiibo support's starting to wind down. Like the Monster Hunter Amiibo disappeared from the face of the earth yeah. to North America. We don't know anything about Splatoon Three Amiibo yet. There's not Amiibo support on the box, and One and Two heavily featured Amiibo. It feels like once they finish the Smash series, maybe this is it. Part of me wants to agree with you because I think. Uh... Once they promised, like, okay, every Smash Brothers character will have their own amiibo, um, you know, like every yeah. Nintendo fan, it just keeps catching them on that technicality of like, oh, you're not done yet, and they're just like, God, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, we're <laughs> done, we've been done making Smash new Smash content for like over a year now, um, 
or I, I actually I don't even remember when Sora came out, but I mean they're, they're like September. They're pretty much October done. last year. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I will continue to get the rest of the Smash line. I have every single one. Uh, okay. at this point, uh, they're yes, they're all unboxed. I play with my toys. Um, Same. But yeah, as far as Splatoon goes, the the way that they used Amiibo in Splatoon was kind of weird. Um, you were able to get like exclusive weapons. Um, I couldn't remember if you got them early or if it was like you could only get them through Amiibo um, and cosmetics and things of that nature. Um, I still think Breath of the Wild had some of the best use of Amiibo that we've seen Absolutely. so far. Um, Metroid Dreads was okay, uh, but it just like put the game on easy mode after a couple days of you not doing well. Uh, you just kept getting energy tanks and missiles and all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is probably because the the Toys to Life craze has pretty much ended. Uh, yeah. They're really the only people that are doing it still, and it's basically out of obligation. Uh, Nintendo fans are always going to keep buying them uh, if they're going to keep making them. But yeah, if they're not if they're not doing it in interesting ways and it's not adding to the experience in any way, like some people and rightfully so, like some of the ways that they've been in- integrated, it's been kind of like gatekeepy um, or people have, have felt that way, at least if you don't buy the Amiibo. Um, like but, the Skyward Sword. Yeah, the Skyward the Sword one was point. one. Yeah, um, like that was a that's an example of a bad implementation of like what you could do. Uh, with that thing because like if I'm on the go I'm not going to carry an amiibo with me like it's just not going to happen um, and unfortunately Maybe, like, did you play that game with button controls though because that was the only way to on the go I did I didn't you did I didn't play <laughs> it very long I never I've never beaten Skyward Sword uh, I just even it's an original release even it's religion, original right, well, release brief brief Skyward Sword tangent I played that game earlier this year the HD version with motion controls I loved it man I thought I I have crapped on Skyward Sword for the last decade, replayed it this year. I'm like, yeah, it's still nowhere close to the best Zelda. It's still got loads of problems. But I really enjoyed it this year. I thought I thought it was a, I really like the dungeons. I like the story. The art style looks much better in HD than it did on the Wii. Like the remake streamlined all the annoying things that the original did uh, with dowsing and fi talking to you and just all these things. Like Skyward Sword HD is a great game. If you're if you haven't played it, I, I would recommend it. I'd honestly recommend it. I just have a huge problem with the the Wii to Switch ports that they've done, primarily because the Joy-Con is not a Wiimote. There is no sensor mm-hmm. bar that I can point at, and the experience is just not as precise as it is on the Wii. Um, yeah, definitely. But I feel the same way about Mario Galaxy. Um, that game is actually way better handheld than it is uh, with motion controls. Oh, okay. But... Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, Amiibo. All that being said, yeah, I th- I could see them starting to like close that book like close the chapter on amiibo at this point there's they've made one for every character i could see them maybe doing it for breath of the wild because like those just sell gangbusters um and you know zelda fans are insane uh i really don't unless they made some game that was like amiibo focus which they've done and they've sales were soft like i think they're just done at this point i think it's done go ahead Odell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, as I would say, I'm I'm not in the actual Nintendo boardroom, but I feel like there there's an easy way to fix this amiibo problem. One, this goes without saying, but there's no way in hell Nintendo knew they would sell like hotcakes. Or even if they did, there's no way they knew it would sell like hotcakes, hotcakes. 
in terms, and I think for this last rollout, especially like, okay, you know, the Sephiroth Amiibo will probably go away, but you know, these Fire Emblem characters, man, there's people who care, but probably not enough. Just make them all to order. You know, you put the order, like you don't, they don't oh, physically no. go out. Like, no, okay. My I, Nintendo I know store, no thank you. <laughs> no, no, not, 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 not like a, a special, it's literally like, hey, you know, order them batches, like, People order them, they cut it off, they mail them out, maybe they'll do it again because okay, for example, Steven Alex. I'm I'm just starting up. You make like 10,000 of them and then people order them and when they sell out, they either sell out, maybe you know, they it took forever for them to sell out, but maybe there's the man, you make another batch and just they're just it's just like it's like an Xbox custom controller like they when you order it, they make it. I f- I feel like that might be like the best way because again, for these these lesser known characters like Mithra, Pyra, like yes, people love Xenoblade, but I'm I, I'm hard pressed to think you're selling fifty thousand of those, right? I mean, you no, know, Odell, we it's not quite that, but we are getting to the point where it's almost like that. If you don't find a new Smash Amiibo on the first weekend, it's not easy to find anymore. Yeah. So it kind of is like get your pre order in. The people who want it are there on day <laughs> one, and then it disappears pretty quickly. Like Min Min is pretty much gone. The exception to that is like Samus and Emmy from Metroid Dread are everywhere. You walk into a Best Buy, GameStop, they are just covering the walls. But that's it. I was in a Best Buy the other day and I saw one Min Min next to like 20 Metroid uh, Metroid Dread 2 packs. And like that kind of is becoming a reality already for these things. Like they're very quietly rolled out. They used to just come out on their own day. Like back in the peak of it, like I remember February 2015, there were days that like eight Amiibo came out and that was it. And it sucked. It was very hard to get them. But now they are always paired with a game release, right? Switch Sports, Min Min. Splatoon 3, Steve and Alex. That's just, they just quietly push them out at the same time. So maybe if you're in the store picking up your copy of Splatoon, you're like, oh, Steve, I played Minecraft 10 years ago. I'll grab that. (laughs) That's just how they do it now. And it, it is much quieter. I never cared about the functionality. I just liked to get the figures. Like when was the last time I scanned an Amiibo? Honestly, really, it's really a long time. Ago. It was the thrill of the hunt, like especially in the oh, early days of, of like Amiibo drops, you would get, you know, Jigglypuff as a target exclusive and it's only up for, you know, two minutes or if that it was more like 10 seconds, um, you know, trying to get all of those first runs. Um, and there was a while a couple years back where you did see uh, like reprints of like they did like Falco and they finally did Marth because those were so limited when they came out, um, yes. you know, and a couple others. But. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, I don't think there aren't that many people that are like still like begging for reprints of a lot of these Amiibo at this point, like the smash craze has kind of died down, especially like multiverses is out. I think a lot of the players that were into the smash scene, like you could start to see some of them, not like the diehards, but you could start to see some of them get into that, you know, more because that's just this everlasting gobstopper of content. Not that that's on mm-hmm. the Switch, but... Um, Which is crazy. You know, I'm going to ask y'all a question yeah. that I'm curious to get y'all's opinion on because I said this uh, when we started to see non-Smash Amiibos, and I've always felt this way. Not not, not like the down say they couldn't make money or they weren't cool in their own right. I mean, I have a Yarn Yoshi crying out loud, the thing that broke me. But I kind of felt like Amiibo should have just kind of just stayed a Smash thing. Like when they started being like, ooh, a new popular game needs these Amiibos, and I was like, why can't the Smash Amiibos just work like the Mario Mario characters work with Odyssey? We don't do we need they do, they do work with it. But 
I yeah, mean, like, the, the I, obvious I, the, answer is money, but yeah, the obvious answer is money. But I kind of, I kind of just felt like Amiibo should just been a Smash thing because, like, in my mind, I was like, at some point, the buck has to stop. You can't be making Amiibos for all your, you know, first party releases. Like, I at mean, some point, they, they did for that. a little bit. Right, like, and they learned that that was bad. Go ahead, Chris. No, I mean they did for a little bit. Where you know, like, a new good. My wife isn't here. A new game would come out, and it would be like, oh, here's Breath of the Wild, and here are five amiibo for it. So Mm -hmm. this fifty dollar purchase has now turned into a hundred twenty dollars, and that would happen over and over and over again. And as grateful Mm -hmm. as I am for just the fact that they exist like we didn't have nintendo toys growing up really um i'm very happy that it's over (laughs) i i get it i get that i'm i'm kind of there too but i'm also sad it's over some of these are so cool the metroid dread 2 pack is amazing the samus returns ones are really cool that like the metroid on that's really squishy those are outstanding if it had stuck to smash we wouldn't have the zelda line which i think is just absolutely gorgeous i love having a copy of each link from all the mainline zeldas i think that's so cool and i hope they continue that with breath of the wild too because link looks a heck of a lot different in that game and maybe they close the amiibo arrow out with that game i'd be cool with that if that got amiibo but i you mentioned odell and it's got to stop somewhere and nintendo realized that with animal crossing right they have the huge smash series they have the mario series that did pretty well and then they have the Animal Crossing series, which like a month after launch was like three dollars in bargain bins because no one went out and bought them. They were well, nobody bought the Animal Crossing. That was also in the midst of COVID. Like I do wonder, would things have been? No, different? I'm talking about Amiibo Festival in 2015. Oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, oh. because there yeah. was because wasn't there was compatibility with that in New Horizons? I thought, but they didn't make any new ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, you know what? Yeah. They did the cards. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Oh, Amiibo yeah. cards. I forgot about that. Yeah, which I never got into. I. Stay I bought, away from that. I bought like that was just like packs, the e-reader like, cards. Okay. I was I was the kid into e-reader stuff, and I'm like, of course, I picked the one thing I picked to be super into was like the most abandoned, very poorly utilized feature of any like Nintendo thing ever. <laughs> you know. And we do got to move on, but uh, just one last point I wanted to throw out there is I look at something like Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which had new Amiibo support built in, but didn't get its own figures. They yeah, did but- a reprint of the Planet Robobot line from six years ago. And it's like, maybe that's the route they're going now. Maybe Splatoon 3 will see reprints of these Splatoon Amiibo that they've already manufactured in the past. Well, and that's just it. Like, you know, the the Mario line exists. The Kirby line exists. I think you could see Breath of the Wild get its own line. But for the most part, like, how many Marios do you need? You know, how many different iterations of that? I mean... (laughs) I got Cat Mario. I got Top Hat Mario. I'm the guy who has every... Zelda amiibo at this point and every Smash amiibo at this point. <laughs> like, I get it. But at some point it is like there's only so many so much shelf space you can have in any given room before somebody's like, you have a problem. <laughs> and I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we gotta move on. I do want to dedicate some more time to amiibo in the future, maybe when we get a clearer closing of this chapter of Nintendo, because man, there was a lot of fascinating and very weird things and a lot of funny stories with amiibo over the last eight years. So I do want to talk about that more down the line, but Steve and Alex, I think they look cool. They're coming out on September 9th, same day as Splatoon three. So let's talk about Splatoon three. I just have one Go quick ahead. question. Uh, yeah. Have pre-orders for those happened yet? Cause I keep, no. okay. I didn't think they did. Nope. I have not. Thank you. They'll go up like the night before on Best Buy. Probably. Because that's what they've been doing lately. It's, Probably. It's oh, oh, crap. I forgot what I wanted to say earlier. All right, I promise. Last thing. 
it's it's kind of amiibo adjacent. So I saw this meme the other day that had um it was a screenshot of like Sora fighting um Steve, and and he said, "If you just showed me this a year ago, I thought this would have been a very poorly photoshopped picture." And I'm like, <laughs> "Same, <That's> true, yeah, <laughs> same." <laughs> I love Smash Ultimate. I love Smash Ultimate so much. Okay, I hope that I'll love Splatoon three a lot, but I don't know yet. I don't know yet. And this is kind of a discussion we had on our lost episode a couple of weeks ago. We're, re- we're revisiting it now because I am dubbing starting today. We are under Splatoon 3 Nintendo Direct Watch, right? When this episode's <laughs> out, the Pokemon Presents has already happened. There's no Nintendo product really coming out in August. Now that the DLC is out, we're here. Splatoon 3 Direct Watch. Because, guys, we still don't know much about this game. And... It keeps me up at night, not literally, but that's how much I'm thinking about Splatoon 3 lately. And other people are starting to catch on, right? Odell posts this article in our news channel on Discord from Nintendo Live saying, people are starting to freak out about Splatoon 3. I know. I've been here for months. I scrolled back through the Splatoon 3 North American Twitter account, which has very few followers compared to, like, Nintendo of America. And all they're announcing are returning weapons, new maps, which is cool they're announcing them there. I think that a new map announcement deserves a little more fanfare than it is getting just being announced on the Splatoon Twitter account and sometimes not even being retweeted by Nintendo America. What's going on there, guys? And then they're talking about new bands. They're going to play the music, which is like, only if you're into the deep lore of Splatoon do you know which bands play which songs on the Splatoon soundtrack. And new brands of clothing and a couple screenshots from Return of the Mammalians, the single-player mode. Why is the rollout for the game like this? I don't get it. It is the strangest thing I've ever seen. We got a Pokemon Presents this week. Those games out aren't out for three months. And Splatoon is out in four weeks. And here we are. Still waiting. Going through this Twitter account just now, and your whole spiel just now, I feel like the additions to this game that they are going to have are only going to matter to the most diehard of diehard Splatoon fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just the way the way that they're even showing off content on this this Twitter account, it makes me like. There's Squid Kids in magazines, and they're like posing like they're you know like they're real. Like it's a real fashion line, like they're real people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I get that they're trying to build a world here. Um, at least that's what it seems like they're trying to do. Um, I just don't think they're going to have much, uh, that is going to change the core gameplay beyond that Mm -hmm. type of content. Yeah. It's concerning to me because I look at something like Splatoon 2 and it's like, that sold over 10 million copies. That's a huge success. Yes. On switch, it's still dwarfed by some of the huge, huge sellers, but 10 million, that is a ton. Any game would be thrilled to sell 10 million copies. Right? Yeah. But anecdotally, I, I have a circle of people that I played Splatoon 2 with that are kind of, they're not as plugged into the industry as we are, right? They aren't thinking about this at night, laying in bed like I am. God, what's what's the multiplayer <laughs> lobby system going to be like this? Platoon? I can't sleep. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> how so I feel. I, uh, so uh, let's say I know eight people that I regularly played Splatoon 2 with. I've talked to all of them. They are all except one other besides me. Like, I see no reason to get this game. Yep. I'm not spending $60 on this game. 
Last of Us comes out the week before, I'm going to spend my $70 on that. It's like, okay, well, there's also reasons not to buy that game. But anyways, uh, you, you disagree? You're, you're buying that one on launch, Last of Us? I don't know when the last time... I talked about this on Platformers last night. I don't know the last time yeah. that you uh, played Last of Us Remastered, especially like a year on ago. PS5. That game needs a remake. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to play it. Yeah, I, that game's I, jank I don't as hell. slander Last of Us Part <laughs> 1. I love The Last of Us. I'm excited to play that remake. Um, I'm just not buying it at launch. Anyways, yeah. back to Nintendo Land. Only two of eight people that I know are buying Splatoon 3. So you look at 10 million sales. Yeah, there's going to be people that didn't buy Splatoon 2 that do buy Splatoon 3. But right now, I don't see this coming close to that number. I think that was a launch game for Switch. It's been out for years. And now you have this, this weirdly placed sequel, this weirdly marketed sequel. It's clearly had some issues. It's, I do believe, been internally delayed at least two times. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in terms of a game rollout from Nintendo. We're a month out, and we know barely more than we knew a year and a half ago when this was announced. Can anyone think of another situation like that where the game turned out great? Because I can't. Star Fox 2. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. All right, so so I have a, I have a theory. I, I, and I was thinking... I didn't. I didn't want to retread things from our last lost episode. So, I, 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 and I, and I thought about this after the show. So I'm glad we brought this back up. So I think what was happening here, and follow me, follow me, that Splatoon, you know, is 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 phenomenal. It's done well, but Splatoon's property value to Nintendo is more valuable as an IP than a game. And what I mean by that is, like, so I read manga. I love manga. And the Splatoon manga is very popular. I don't know if y'all knew this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's curr- it currently ended the last volume, I think, released early this year, early 2022. And then it was over. And I remember the manga community, people were livid. Like, it ended at volume 16. And they were like, oh, my God. So much so that it is primed to come back this year. I assume it is going to... It's either the reason the game got delayed or it's just going to uh, uh, go along with the game's release. But it's coming back and people in the manga community were like super excited. I've never read the Splatoon manga. Like I didn't care much that, that much about the lore. But then, I, then, but then it got me thinking maybe, you know, Splatoon, not the game, things do much better than the game. And now the game has now ceased to be the centerpiece, but, you know, the, uh, the accessory. So, so other like Pokemon, things right? Pokemon yeah. cards, Pokemon toys, Pokemon, Pokemon TV show. Yeah, but unlike Splatoon, Pokemon, the core game still is the hot ticket. You know, that's that's the thing which everything spreads out. I see that look you're giving, <laughs> but the new Pokemon are showcased there. They're not mm-hmm. not like they're not showcased everywhere else. And then it's like, oh, we know they're not like it's it stems from the game. Like the well, characters. Let me, let me speak anime. to what you're saying here. Right. If you're saying that Splatoon is an IP is more valuable than Splatoon is a game, then why are we getting the next mainline Splatoon right now instead of like a Splatoon spinoff, a Splatoon 2D platformer, which I've been saying they should do for years and it still hasn't happened. The only type of game we've seen from Splatoon is Splatoon, what you know Splatoon to be. I think that they could have taken this slot, this development to say, hey, let's take this fresh IP we made, we already have Splatoon 2 on Switch, and let's make something entirely new with this. I thought, like, how cool would, like, an action Splatoon 2.5D platformer be? Where you're swimming up the walls, 
you're you're shooting enemies. You can like swap between four weapons for different puzzles, different situations. I think it'd be great. I think it would be no. so cool. Do you know <laughs> why they haven't done that? Why? Because there's not like one main specific character other than Inkling Boy and Inkling Girl, right? That like is super identifiable. Like there's not a named character in Splatoon other than the main hosts or like the old. So make people love them. Make it about them. Yeah, there I mean, go. but that's just it. Like it, unless it's about them. Like who do you pick other than play as Inkling Boy? Like. <laughs> but all sorts of games have customizable characters. It doesn't matter. Maybe, like, maybe we're maybe it's a lot simpler than that. Maybe whoever's on the develop, maybe people in Snow just simply don't care. There's not enough internal creative juices. Uh, someone you know banging the drum for Splatoon. Maybe it's just as simple as that. Like they have some contractual obligation to make the game. Maybe like you know Splatoon we going- is banging the creative drum right it was the most new fresh thing from nintendo we saw in the wii u era it was the most exciting new young thing they were doing and now it's entering this routine already where it's just they churn out the new splatoon and i didn't want that for this series well i mean if sales are soft on this you won't it, it won't be that way like they will they have to do something else right like i they're not in a position now where the same position that they were in when Splatoon 2 came out where like there wasn't that much to play on the Switch like and other platforms like there's so much more on all these libraries at this point. Um, you basically played Splatoon at least I think a lot of people played Splatoon 2 because it was like the only hot big Nintendo thing to play at the time like that mm-hmm. summer. That's not the case right now. Xenoblade Live Alive and I understand they're very different games but like why would I invest my time in this thing that I already did five years ago? I'll just go play that one. Yeah. Unless they fix matchmaking. <laughs> you so know, the final. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I'll just say maybe literally, maybe I, I'm thinking, cause okay. If you think of every mainline Nintendo game, there's somebody attached to it. That like, is the person that I guess is the driving force, you know, smash, you have Zachary, you know, Zelda, you have, uh, I'm the, I'm a Numa. You know, Pokemon, you have Namor from the Pokemon company. You know, Mario, you have Miyamoto or, you know, whoever's the. And you have Hisashi Nagami for Splatoon. He's the guy who always appears in the lab coat and the sunglasses. He's produced (laughs) the first two. He's producing this one as well. So you do have that first. I mean, but maybe, I mean, but how much, I I don't mean this, I'm not trying to stifle, man, but like, but how much does he care? I'm like, is Splatoon 3, has he, has he hung up the lab coat? Is he just like, yeah, hey, yeah, you know, I'll make another game. Really don't want to, but I got to for Nintendo. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm speculating here, like you know, like for example, Sakurai, Sakurai, Sakurai really pushed for things and and smash. You know what I'm saying? Like he, we see in all his lives, he talks about, man, I really wanted this to happen. I really had to work hard. I really had to stick. You know, things that we would think would be an immediate yes, he was losing sleep over. Like, you know, he was the driving force. And I'm just like, maybe that level of commitment. Care and maybe. attention to detail. And I don't know, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. I don't want to speak to a creator or a creative team, especially when the game's not even out yet. I think that that's uh, that, that is fair. Off the path, that, yeah. uh, My take right now with a month to go is there's still things for them to tell us. Why are they waiting this long? Maybe it's just because of the marketing cycle. July was packed. June was packed. We've had a ton of Nintendo games and products coming out in the light this summer. 
past few months. So maybe this month could be the month for Splatoon to shine. Nintendo, I'm telling you, now is the time. Splatoon 3, direct watch. It's got to happen. Tell me about multiplayer. Tell me about how Chris and I are going to be able to play and not be pulling our hair out, waiting to get into a lobby. Tell me what's so cool about this single player mode. Your single player modes have been getting better each time. Octo expansion is better than two, is better than one. Hopefully three builds on that and is the best one yet. Just tell us these things because I'm worried. I still think this game's going to be great. I just haven't seen it yet. Chris, you had, it looked like you had one more thing you were going to say. Splatoon 3 comes out when? September 9th. Next week, we will what? get a direct. Next week. I agree. That's why I'm, that's why I'm declaring. Now is, is direct watch time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I yep. could see this being the new cycle where it's like one month before whatever the whatever game is about to drop, you get like the knowledge bomb. Because then what happens? Platoon drops September, end of September, you get uh, the online direct. They release mm-hmm. GBA games on Nintendo Switch Online, finally. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Uh-huh. You know. And then, and then the October's rest. full, too. Yeah. I hope so. You know, I need this game to slap because the boardroom has yet to have a Nintendo multiplayer game that we can play together and be like camaraderie, bonding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The striker sure as hell wasn't it. I mean, we <laughs> could play Mario Kart. Like, there's new tracks this week. Yeah. Oh yeah, we yeah we need to do that. Yeah, but but, but you I know, get what like you're something... saying. It's not like the new yeah. thing where we're all just like, oh my god, like that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could okay. happen with Pokemon, but I I, I know y'all won't commit do that commitment with me with that new four player running around that we got some pokey haters here like i think when you see out. how well that runs you won't commit either it's gonna pretty cool. oh okay but this guy has hope for <laughs> oh you know oh, all right all right i hope splatoon 3 fails horribly this is the thing okay. that drives us apart people <laughs> all right uh we are running a little long chris was gonna tell us about the analog pocket but i think we'll have to wait to hear about that next week sorry chris he's giving me a very sad slash creepy look but that is it for this week in the toadstool boardroom another episode in the books we are a weekly nintendo podcast we release on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, other streaming services that you may use every thursday at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern so please check us out subscribe on youtube all that good stuff thank you odell thank you chris thank you so much for listening and we'll be back right here in the boardroom next week for another fun episode